we'll do the sound again? Okay. The podcast has started recording, so that's going to be the first noise anybody hears. No, I know, I know, I know. Um, it sounds like something hill people on Andy Griffith would play. The hill people? That's, yes. The hill people done stole themselves a doctor. That's a joke for people that aren't you, apparently. I wouldn't call it an inside joke. Just a joke that is outside of you. Alright, so this is the Wilderness Law Podcast with Lane and Tristan. And we are in my office with Tristan's little sister. And she is drawing with markers. So if you hear any odd noises, we're going to blame them all on her. And maybe even my twanging. Twang, twang. No, the twanging, twanging is the boy. All the boy. Awkward child. Okay. So, I sent a text out to my brother. My brother is currently working in a movie theater in Yonkers, New York. With a whole bunch of Yankees who are... From the best we can tell, not good people. I mean that as 37% jokingly. Um, but 37. there are a lot of city folks who don't savvy too good know about hunting. And so I thought it would be interesting to see what people like that would want out of a hunting-related podcast. He asked the two people that were there at the time, because it was before they opened, and uh, both of them are technically anti-hunting, and let me, uh, let me get the uh, actual text. I'm using that one. Tristan, just let her go. Let me get the actual text up here. We've been texting about 8 million things since you're rubbing on your microphone. Straighten your shirt. Nobody likes listening to that. You're making a ton of noise. Is this better? Goofball. There's us talking about jujitsu. Korea. Why are you guys talking about jujitsu in Korea? We're very interesting people. Very retarded people. <laughs> you and me were just talking about archery in Vietnam, so. It happened. Well, so did Korea and jujitsu. Jujitsu happened in Korea? Probably at some point. For all I know, it's a Korean martial art. I really have no idea. I'd have to look it up on the entry nets. But I'm busy looking up a text from a million hours ago. <laughs> so, world. Okay, it's after that. Yeah, you want to just yammer uh, pointlessly, as you tend to do? Okay, I will. Did you know in Vietnam, people did sing with bow? Pe- what? 
did the thing you with make word better than currently doing much bad at okay here we go here's the text yeah i thought that was cool i didn't know they didn't realize the that they had used recurve bows in vietnam vietnam I keep wanting to scream at you to stop yelling at me, but it's just because you're in my headphones. And I have it cranked up so I can hear if it clips. Okay, here's what my brother said. The two people I've asked here are both non-hunters who are not... Oh, sorry. I read it wrong earlier. I was driving. I mean, no, I wasn't driving and reading a text inside Austin City Limits. <clears throat> the two people I've asked here are both non-hunters who are not philosophically opposed to the practice. <clears throat> I thought it would have been more interesting the other way, but anyway. Both seemed interested in the concept of hunting as a as population control and as a food source. And then he added on for himself. Obviously, that's been covered extensively by a lot of hunting-related podcasts. And a lot of guys just talking about wild protein acquisition in other formats. But uh, I've made the point that that's true. But I don't think it's been laid out from an 11-year-old's point of view or an 11-year-old talking to an adult in, you know, the format that we deliver to the world. So, I gave you a task. What task did I give you, young Tristan? Writing questions for you. Regarding? Hunting and conservation. Okay, and I'm going to do my best to answer them. Some of them you probably know some of the answers to, to some extent, because we've had a few con conversations. One of these days we'll do a podcast where we bring in people who just know nothing about it. And uh, it'll that would be difficult. We couldn't get them out of our hometown. We could get them out of Austin, though. Liberty Hill. Seems like every truck I'm behind driving to work has a bow hunting sticker on the back window. Bow hunting is very popular in Central Texas. Okay. I put these in the wrong order, so. You put these, it doesn't matter what order. You just, you were in control of the question. So Tristan is going to. Ask me a bunch of 10 questions that are related to hunting, ethics, conservation, all the stuff we like, hunters like to talk about and PETA people don't like to listen to. All right. Okay. So this you're running the show from here on out. One of my non hunting questions. Okay. The only one. Okay. <laughs> If you went off the grid for a year, where would you go? I've thought about that. And I have not decided. 
but it would either be I always think my go-to's are Colorado or Alaska. I really think Alaska would be my choice. It probably would definitely be my choice, but uh, West Texas is also an option I've thought about. Okay. But Alaska, I'm going to say, is number one on that list. Right now, you ask me tomorrow, and I might change my mind. But Alaska is usually number one. Is it one just me asking I, you questions, or do you have questions? Um, I might come up with questions during the thing, but right now we're going with your questions. I think we'll have a long enough podcast. I think I know the that. answer to my next question. Okay. If you had the money to buy an elk herd from, like, the state. Right, where they keep them. Well... I don't think Texas keeps them, but, like, Colorado probably has yeah. some in breeding pens or whatever. And, with, this is a silly question, but I pretty much know the answer. Would you like to hunt them, or, like, you hunt them and conserve them, and make them, let them grow bigger, or would you let them, want to do, like, let other people hunt them and keep them healthy and growing and... Keep watch on their mi- migration and okay. not hunt them, but not I want to. All right, I want to know what you think my answer would be. I think it. I think it's number one, but okay, it is neither. Uh, if I were to buy an elk herd, let's say I'm magically a millionaire tomorrow, and that's I'm rich enough. That would a buying an elk herd would not be number one on my millionaire list. Buying a house in Alaska. <laughs> Well, there's yeah, a handful of things. I just know buying an elk herd would not be high up there. Buffalo herd, maybe. Um, but in Buffalo, and if you were to ask me the same question about Buffalo, it's going to be the same as the answer I'm going to give you about elk. But yeah, if I were all of a sudden magically tomorrow wealthy enough to where I would go down the list and I would fulfill the list enough to, I got to the point where I wanted to buy an elk herd. What I would do with an elk or a bison herd, I would. Of course, it would be a con- there would be a conversation that would have to be had between parks and wildlife or wildlife whatever state level wildlife groups, um, departments whatever you want to call them. I would need to see if any of them. Depending on the quality of the elk herd, da, 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 if they needed them, if they if there was a need for elk to be ranch raised for you know specific genetic traits or whatever, and I would raise them. If they like, if they just said no, we want them all turned loose. I would just turn them all loose. If they. <clears throat> We're like, yeah, we need certain traits. You know, if you could breed them over X amount of years and try to breed out this weird genetic defect like CWD or something like that. And, like, if, you know, if we, they just wanted them to be raised in a kind of almost a laboratory situation, uh, I wouldn't be raising them in Texas because uh, that's it's not really their range. Um, their native range. Um, but yeah, it'd be something like that. It would be about 
building up the elk herds. You know, like Kentucky. You know, RMEF reintroduced elk to Kentucky in, what, 1997. Now there's tens of thousands of well, them. Well, that's what I really meant for number two. Like, that was my... What? Would I reintroduce them somewhere? Oh, you mean by hunting them? Yeah, but, like, keeping the populations up and maybe you can reintroduce some here and keep some Well, there. I don't think they were ever lived in Texas or not in populate enough, you know, big enough population to, uh, you know, matter. Okay. Quit messing with your mic. Okay. Elk, Texas. Of course, that's going to come up with the town of Elk, Texas. Alright, that's your next... If you never got to hunt again, would you I still... I choose death. Would you still contribute to the saving of the elk herds, or would you... You mean like if I was like Stephen Hawking level crippled, but still able to participate in my financial decisions? Like your legs are gone. And you can still hunt if your legs are gone. Your legs Crossbow or whatever. Although I wouldn't hunt with the cross. I'd hunt with a gun. Um, my legs and arms are gone. I mean... Stumpy stump. Yeah, I would try to... Okay, let's just say yes. I have some kind of disability where I cannot physically hunt. But I have finances and control of those finances. Yes. I would try to find a way to contribute to conservation. Okay. Especially with you three goofballs hanging out. You know, I'd want y'all to, if I could help y'all and your kids' generation, whatever. Baby, you're going to mess with my mic if you stand there. See this thing right here? That's a microphone. That's what Tristan has one on his shirt, too. If That's got, what we're speaking if into. If you were killed by an animal, what animal would you want it to be? <laughs> uh, koala bear? <laughs> so, <laughs> something adorable? Thanks a lot, Jojo. What does she do? Quick. Uh, you. Coaster. It's loud on mic whenever you set your cup down. Jojo, just leave it alone. I'll find some other... What is she messing with? My bowstring phone. Oh. You, Little Miss, draw on the board, please. Okay? We'll be done in, let's say, neighborhood of 45 minutes, unless we've burned through. Yes. Oh, very adorable. You're five. All right. My next question is... Uh, what was your last question? Oh, yeah, if you got killed by an animal. What animal would you want to be? Uh, I really... Grizzly bear, I guess. That seems like it would be quickest. Or shark. Because then I'd be swimming while it happens. Or something fun like that. Yeah. Or like, what if somebody was like trying to become like part of a monkey civilization? I don't know why I let you talk. Like, just trying to like... Bond with monkeys, like what's their face? Well, have you heard that some anthropologists, or not anthropologists, what's the word? I'm blanking on the word. Anyways, people, human, think that uh, the 
great apes, like chimps and stuff, are uh, entering into their Stone Age. There, uh, yeah. Um, again, I'm gonna reference Rogan. Where's the mechanical pencil from earlier? Uh, making a lot of noise on the mic. I don't want to be making. Um, yeah. Rogan showed a picture of this one. I want to see. It may have been a chimp. Maybe, quit messing with your shirt. May have been a orangutan. Uh, whatever. But it, it's basically it's hanging from a tree and has a long stick. Like it's trying to spear fish. It didn't. It wasn't successful, but it's trying. That's scary. And there, like every ten years or so, there's another story about more and more of that level of primate using tools to for food gathering and stuff like that. Next, we're gonna find out that they stole a gun. Well, there. That's from the. Third or fourth Planet of the Apes movie. I can't remember. It's my favorite one. But I'm blanking on the name of it right now. I need. We need to rewatch those. It's been too long. All right, my boy. What's your next question? It's a great white shark. That's my answer. Okay. If oh, can I say the thing about the monkeys? Yeah. And like, and a monkey came up behind you and slapped you on the back of the neck and like you fell from a tree. Like. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. Sometimes I'm surprised you for, that you remember to breathe oxygen. All right. Okay. Point. Next question. If you were asked, "Why do I hunt?" or "Why do you hunt?" what would you say? I guess it depends on who the person was asking. Uh, just because I know, just be. A bit just like one off the street that I'd never met before. Uh, well, I'm going to use your question. I'm going to expand my answer. It's not allowed by your rules. Well, I'm going to anyway. Because um, I pay the bills. You don't pay the bills for so, on the one level, so yeah, if I, some like if random Austin, South Austin idiot comes up to me, and this is supposed to be a nice guy, not like okay, like a person that I can have a conversation. I'll tell you, I can actually tell. It's easy. I don't even have to put any work into this. If he was trying to debate me on it, and he was a person that was willing to listen. There's, I think I've shown you that video where Stephen Rinella is at a book signing, yeah. and he talk, and a vegan asks, uh, stands up in the Q and A and asks him basically that question. Um, I would try to get as close to Stephen Rinella's question as possible because I've never heard anybody articulate it, that the response to that type of question more clearly than he did in that video. Um, I will try to remember to put that in the text block on the Wilderness Law website, wildernesslaw.us, when I post this podcast. I'm going to pause the record, the podcast.
podcast recording for just a second. Uh, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back with which question are we on? What number? I'm not in order. Okay. Number whatever. Alright, and now we are back after some goofballery. Okay. Alright, ask question number whatever. If you got to own, this is a very, I want you (laughs) to end the question. What? I want you to end the question. End the question. Okay, all right. If you got to own a camo company. All right. That's really... I have to end the question. I think you, sir, are a lazy question writer. No, it's... I think you just forgot to finish your question, and now you're realizing it, and you're wanting to shovel it off on me. No, it's... It's raining outside, but I'm nice and dry under this bus you threw me under. Uh, um, if I own a cam- camel company, what? If you got to own a camel company, here, I'll... So, but the thing, if I'm finishing the question, that would mean I'm asking you a question. Okay, fine. Um, you win. You could say... If you got to own a camel company... Yeah. Here's the way you want to, you, let me see if this is what you're meaning. You, hey, you, person who I'm asking questions to, finish this statement. When I own a camo company, I am going to do blank. Okay. Is that what you want me yes. to do? All right. Well, actually, uh, my brother and I. The camos across Texas? Yeah, that's uh, that was our plan, and it's interesting because the guy that I want to have on this podcast, who is based only a couple miles from here, actually, um, he and his wife own a company called Broadside Camo. Um, I'm gonna try to move these XLR cables without making a pop on the recorder. Hopefully. Yeah, he owns a, they own a company called Broadside Camo, and it is, it's funny because our, the model that my brother and I came up with a couple of years ago is basically what they're doing. Um, where... Something a lot of people don't really, may not know about Texas, the state of Texas, is, I mean, they know it's big, but they probably don't think about how big and what a state being that big means. Here. Uh, You're a very silly little lady. Um, the thing about Texas, so what's cool about, one of the things, one of the many, many things that's cool about Texas is it is, because of its size, it has many, many, many 
regions. Very diverse vegetation. You know, in East Texas, we have piney woods that look like Louisiana or Georgia. And in West Texas, we have desert that looks pretty much like Arizona. Like, you could definitely have filmed parts of Breaking Bad in West Texas. You know, in South Texas, uh, we have brush country. In Central Texas, we have a whole host of stuff. We got, you know, the hill country, which is limestone, very little topsoil on top of limestone hills. We have the what's called the Blacklands region on the east side of I-35, like around Waco and stuff. That's where I grew up. Um, where I'm glad I don't live now. Why? Uh, I don't know. It's just flat. It's all. It was cotton farms a hundred years ago, and cotton just completely robbed the soil. And and um, yeah. So I. My thinking was we would put out a different line, a different design of camo for each region. And then this guy and his wife got to it before. Yeah, which is fine. I'm not going to whine about that. It's, I, mean, I mean, that's something I'd like to talk to them, him or them or whatever about when when I get to talk to them, or ho when I hopefully get to talk to them. Um. We saw them at the uh, Hunt Texas tour thing, right? Uh, yeah, the film festival. Yeah. The Hunt Texas tour film uh, well, yeah, something like that. It was very awkwardly named, yeah. They could have done better. God dang. I don't know what I did with it. I feel absolutely retarded. And I'm sure everybody on the pod, listening to the podcast, loves listening to me fumble around in my wallet. Anyway. So, uh, yeah. What, so I thought it'd be cool to have, you know, a, a camo pattern for East Texas that would work in Georgia. A camo pattern for North Texas that would work in Oklahoma, Nebraska, Kansas. Don't hold your finger up. If you want to break in, say it. What? I didn't want the people to know. Jitter was having their rest. You don't have to stop because of that. Quit making something out of nothing. Crazy goat socks. What is that? Oh, it's deal. Okay. Alright, this is annoying even to me. So. I can't believe their names aren't on their website. Or on their website. The, uh. Chelsea. Get up. Okay, 
And but yeah, and Central Texas, I don't, you know, we'd have to look into it uh, to see what places would work better for what. Blah blah blah. Like I'm sure there's parts of the South that the Blacklands camo would work for. Like Blacklands camo to me would be the dark dirt, and uh, which I guess would be around you know the bottom of your of pants or something like that, and it would be cottonwood. Um, bark pattern, cottonwood leaves, and briar. So there's parts of the south that that would work for. And then, of course, any something we designed for West Texas would work in, you know, New Mexico, Arizona, stuff like that. Like I think every region in Texas, you know, if you made something for every region in Texas, you would have product lines to cover all, pretty much any region of the United States. Probably North America, right? You're, here, do this with your shirt. Because you're rubbing, yeah. When you do that, you're rubbing on the mic. Sit up. Sit up. Yeah, quit sitting like a lazy human worm beast. Um, <laughs> Alright, did I answer your question? Next one. What's going on? Are you lost on your own horrible handwriting? Okay. If you had to choose a North American animal that is on the Endangered Species Act, what would it be to, like, put another, imagine you're a gazillionaire? Wait, start over. I missed something. If you had to choose a North American animal that is on the Endangered Species Act that you would like to, like, uh, Help them, like, uh, boost the population yeah. to get them off? Yeah. Well, okay. So, I'm going to need to throw this little tidbit in just because I've, it's one of the few things I know about the ESA. Uh, a lot of people believe, a lot of people yeah, there you go. That's good English. Uh, good. He sprechen. totally went to school. Yeah, I sprechens he talk awesome. What? Uh, don't worry, it's like 17 different languages and I understand none of them. So, grizzly bears and wolves. Should not be on the endangered species. And there are a lot, like Wyoming, for instance, that keeps trying to get them delisted. Because when the ESA came out in the, was it 70s or 60s? Quit messing with your shirt, sit up. Yeah, that's not sitting up. Quit leaning back like that. Okay. Grizzly bears, wolves were ex almost, either extirpated or almost extirpated from most areas of the West, right? Except not counting Alaska as the West. <coughs> and. So they're put on the ESA, right? I don't know what efforts, I haven't looked into grizzly bears, but I know a lot of what happened with wolves is they reintroduced them. They bought wolves from, like, a pr 
pretty far north latitude in Canada. So it's pretty far away. And you know, there's the whole thing, uh, phenomena, I guess you'd call it, where the further north you are, uh, a species is, the bigger they're going to be. So like moose in northern Alaska are going to be much larger than moose in Maine. Cause there are moose in Maine? Yes. There, you can eat, there's, enough, there's huntable numbers of moose in Maine. You can get a hunting license for them. I think it's a lottery draw and very difficult to get, but there's enough of a population that <laughs> you can hunt them. Okay, next question. Wait, did I finish? Oh, no. no, I didn't. I just said my first little bit. Uh, but yeah, like Wyoming, uh, Ronella on his podcast, he interviewed the governor of Wyoming and he was talking about efforts to try to get them delisted because it's getting to the point where they're having problems. Like there's too many grizzlies in certain areas. And when they were put on the list back in the day, whoever administrates ESA said, when you get to this population density, what uh, I guess the level you want to get at is called carrying capacity, right? When you get to, this is your carrying capacity. When you get there, we'll delist them. They got to that list 10 years ago, over 10 years ago. They got to that number. They got to what was defined as their carrying capacity, right? What was called out as that. They appealed to get them delisted. Whoever's administering the ESA at that point comes back with a number that's like twice the size of the, or what was originally called out as the carrying capacity because they're politicians and it's more politically expedient to tell the rest of the world that thinks grizzly bears are cute in movies that we're, that they're still protected, right? It's hard to say we're going to start letting hunters kill bear, kill teddy bears that you hug to sleep at night. No, let alone, no, you know, let's no, ignore the fact that they eat the crap out of everything they can, that they'll slaughter not just game animals and not just fish, but each other, brown bears, dogs. Whatever. Cats. Yeah, I mean, they're just massive. They're large raccoons, you know. So all the problems you have with raccoons. And everybody w- wants to shoot a raccoon in the face. Nobody well, everybody's smart. Um, although I don't want to shoot all raccoons, just the ones that get into my trash. Um, so, yeah, that's... Um, so, I just wanted to throw that little statistic out there um, that... I guess my first efforts would be to help, you know, whatever political action committee or something, help them get those delisted in areas where they need to be delisted, and it's becoming a problem. What animal would you like to get listed? I don't know nearly enough about okay. that. Yeah. Um, but as but other than that, as far as an, the animal that I would like to. It, Top of my list, animal, I'd like to build up number, help build up numbers, especially, I would like to build up, help build up wild bison, like, 
I think it's 100% of the bison in the continental United States are fin you know, raised behind fences, except for the ones in Yellowstone, but, you know, hunting's not allowed in Yellowstone and maybe other parks like Yellowstone, but hunting is not allowed in there, so they've never seen the natural, you know, they've never experienced the natural element of human predation, right? Because that's the thing, right? Humans, like the ones we're supposed to be trying to speak to in this podcast, are unaware. Or not unaware, that's a, that's a, that's not the right word. They don't like to admit, or they don't think about, they don't like to admit to themselves, something along those lines. There's a word I'm looking for, but I'm blanking on it. Um, I'm very old, and I say that a lot on this podcast, I think. Human predation, just, we're just, we're one of the predators. It's in part, we're part of the natural system, and to think that somehow we're outside of that system is maybe the most arrogant notion I've ever heard put on the table. Okay. All right. What's your next one? Does that make sense? Yeah. Are you just saying that so I'll shut up? Yeah, how are you raising that? You need some coffee? Maybe. Oh, my God, dude. That bulletproof coffee I had today from Cuppa, Cuppa Austin. That's the coffee house over on Parmer and 620. Anybody who listens to this who visits Austin and wants the best bulletproof coffee on the face of the earth should go to Cuppa, even though it's not close to anything anyone would want to visit in Austin. Okay, finish your thing. Okay. And I'm saying that getting zero money from them. I don't. The rest of my questions are stupid. No, they're not. Not if they are, ask them so I can make fun of you for them. If you were to go alligator hunting, Ooh, I what do bow would you hunt? Would you want compound bow? Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'd love to do it with a uh, recurve, but if I were to go tomorrow, I would rig up a compound bow. Okay. Um. If you went duck hunting, would you accept her to clone? If someone offered me a trip, I'd go. Okay. Uh, I'd be curious. Um, I mean, you know me and wing shooting. I would hit a hundred percent of none of them. <laughs> that would be at a hundred percent missing. I'd waste a whole sleeve of shells, but I'd have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even gonna ask the next question. I'm just gonna um. Say something silly. Okay. Would you wrestle a shark for thirty million dollars? Yes. Why would? Why not? Okay. What kind of shark? Baby tiger shark? Yes. A whale shark. Uh yeah. If that's if you're gonna wrestle one, really, that's what should be your number one choice, other than the ones that are small enough to fit in aquariums, like home aquariums. <laughs> uh. No, oh, yeah, well, because, like, uh, well, you never finished that Eugenia Clark book. I did. Did you? Yeah, yeah, you can ride whale sharks. 
Yeah, great white shark. I would probably chicken out at the last minute. I would be all gung ho, and right when it came time to step out of the cage, I'd be like, "No, I'll be poor forever." Yeah. What else? What other questions you have? You need to wake up, boy. The rest of them are silly, so I'm gonna ask silly. We can't understand you when your mouth is holding your jaw closed, like you have. Tetanus. Okay. Or you need a tetanus shot. What? Huh? What? You're like lockjaw. <laughs> yeah, that's how you would talk if you had stepped on a rusty nail. Okay. Um. Would you wrestle a baby elephant? For $30 million? Yeah. Would you wrestle a male lion? Probably the same answer as a great white. Would you slap a... I think I could, it would be easier to get away from... Get away with wrestling the lion. And I'm going saying that solely off of having seen the movie Roar. Distributed by Alamo Drafthouse. Uh, which is uh, Tippy... No, yeah, Tippy Hedren. Which, uh, you're not going to know who that is. You heard of the movie The Birds? We've talked about that movie, yeah. Alfred Hitchcock. Tippi Hedren is the main character, plays the main character in that. Okay. She made a movie in the 70s called Roar. She made it, like her and her husband made it together, produced it together. And it was basically uh, to raise awareness about issues surrounding African lions. And, but the actual movie, uh, let's see, what was the tagline? I can't remember the tagline in the trailer but it was so there's like many actual real lions in this movie living in a house with the characters and they were actually in the house there was nothing protecting the dividing the lions and the people it was uh, Tippi Hedren's family which her daughter is Melanie Griffith who was for a long time married to uh, I'm trying to connect this to an actor that you know Antonio Banderas, that played the main character in Desperado, the you know the Mexican shoot 'em up movie, uh, directed by Robert Rodriguez. Melanie Griffith was like a teenager in this movie, and <laughs> the tagline, and when that when Draft House uh, released it was. Something along, the, I'm paraphrasing, was something along the lines of uh, no animals were harmed in the production of this motion picture, whatever, right? And then it, that go, text goes dark, and then more text comes up, and it says like 37 members of the cast and crew had to go to the emergency room due to, due to horrific lion related injuries. Like Jan DeBont, you've heard of the movie Speed? With Keanu Reeves, he's like on a bus and it's going to blow up if Sandra Bullock doesn't drive fast enough. Yon uh, DeBont directed that movie. He also was the uh, director of photography on Die, the first Die Hard. I want to say the first two, but I know the first Die Hard. He was like a young film school age, like right out of film school age guy. And he was the director of photography on Roar. And at one point, he had to go to the emergency room because a lion 
slashed his head with his claws open and basically pe- like scalped him. Like he, they were able to, I guess, sew it back on because it was it was like a flip top. <laughs> like the, yeah, like he just scraped the scalp off the top and it was hanging off by a flap of skin. And they were able to close the lid and sew it back down. Um. I hope they punched him out. Yeah. Okay. I need to ask. <gasps> nice. I need to ask you some questions. I have one more question. Okay, you ask your question, then uh, we're going to pause it and come back with my questions. You're going to play with your sister because she's getting a little bit restless. Would you slap a baby lion if the mom and dad were around? I wouldn't slap them if they weren't around. Why would I slap a baby lion? You're a horrible human being. I'm a horrible human being. I mean, that's true. I'm not going to... Pretend for I'm not. For $50 million. But I still wouldn't slap a baby lion. For $50 million, could it just be like a place slap? You have to like knock them off. I mean, they're pretty tough. I don't know. I think I would knock him out. Or, what do you mean off? Off of what? Some like if he was on a rock. You hit him so hard. Yeah, you, he if, you're, if that's part of the visual picture you're trying to play paint, you should say that earlier on in the thing or everybody's like knock him off of the world send him into orbit mm-hmm. you're blowing up the mic when you do that um okay no I, would, I don't think I would and I mean you could probably talk me into it with enough money but I still would not Why? hurt it I'm not gonna hurt a baby lion for money but I but they're pretty tough, so I could slap it, like, a little harder than I would you playing, and it would be fine and just think we're having fun. Mom and Dad, I don't know. We'll see This when this happens. Hopefully it happens for real. Okay, so my questions are next. I'm going to ask you and then try to turn the interactions into teachable moments. We'll see. Oh, nice eye roll. That is the appropriate place for an eye roll. But it was also said in, you know, with intended irony. So, okay, we're going to pause the podcast recording one more time, and I'm going to slap Tristan like a baby lion. <laughs> we'll be back in a minute. All right, we are now record- recording on, I guess, the third segment of this podcast. Uh, which will be me asking you questions, and I will probably turn these into micro conversations. How many questions? These are most. Of these are things I know we've had conversations about in the past, just one on one, or and you've heard people like Renella or Randy Newbert speak about it on YouTube or in their TV shows. Um. So I'm curious. It's almost like test questions after a class that you didn't know you were going to. Uh, So I'm just going to see kind of what your response is and then if it could use a little more mo-added information. Did you bring the master? We'll talk about it to the best of my ability. I'm not saying I'm perfect on these. 
Uh, what? The elk call? Yeah. Why would I bring that? We should, like, do that one day. On the podcast? Yeah. Well, uh, we might do that, but I'd have to, I'd have to do it in a way that's, like, asking for people's tips on how to not suck at it. We also had to do some experiments before we actually recorded the podcast to see what microphone setup or setups worked better for different game calls. Okay, question number one, little Mr. Tristel. What is the biggest benefit to game species provided by the hunting population of human hunters in North America? Okay, let me back up a little bit. I think I heard it wrong. Who are the most successful conservationists as far as North American wildlife? I guess army elk and... Well, no, more general than that. Hunters? Yes, there you go. Do you know why? Because... What do we do that other countries do not do or didn't do all right sorry about that we had to stop the podcast unexpectedly due to uh, a Josie yes a five-year-old needing to urinate anyways okay so why are North American hunters the most successful wildlife conservationists in very broad terms. I'm not asking you to talk about specific efforts or anything like that. Just kind of what do we do and what did we start once our modern model of conservation was initiated. I'm not going to go as other broad people as didn't you do. want me to. Well, well just tell well, me your answer. We, yeah. we, um, we buy tags for the animals that we kill. That contributes. How does that contribute? What is what is the money that we pay for tags accomplish? That's actually one of my later on questions. Um, it's it, cool we're touching on it now. Um, it help. It's it, the money that we spend on tags. Wh- is going to um, these places like uh, groups, conservation groups, mm-hmm. and so it's like we're giving them money. What conservation groups? I don't know exactly the name of the conservation Would Us? they be private ones or no, state they, level? No, they would be like state level ones. Yes, or accurate. Where does the money come from for private conservation groups like RMEF, conservation organizations, I guess? Slightly more accurate. They're uh, elk camps, um, auctioning but stuff off. That's stuff true. Like that. What what primarily, though, probably? We, us, membership. Me and you, yeah. Membership, member there you people. Go. But what I was going to say is, I just thought of this. Mm-hmm. It's like a cycle. Us giving them money. States? No, we giving the states money. Mm -hmm. We give the states money to save the deer 
that we hunt. Mm -hmm. And so we give them, it's like, it's kind of like paying for a steak. You give them money, and then they give you deer. <laughs> okay, that's, uh, yeah, I'm going to say that's not wholly inaccurate. That's not a terrible way to look at it. Um, you know, that might seem crass to people that don't understand the middle efforts in the middle, but Uh, but yeah, I guess we could get all into, I'm going to cheat a little bit on this one because we're running short on time. Uh, we get into public, the fact that we're stewards of a public resource. In this case, it is wildlife. Um, yeah, but the United States was originally a colony of immigrants. No, from like what country? What Europeans? What country were was the United? The original thirteen colonies were the original thirteen colonies. What were the colonies of? What country owned them? Britain. Yeah. Um, I guess I asked it in an awkward way, but I was hoping you'd pick it up earlier so it seemed less awkward. <laughs> anyway, um, so do you know what the model of wildlife conservation was in England? It's almost... Oh, I know. Okay. There really was no, it was that the king, the, like, kings and queens and, like, high people could only hunt, and the, like, peasant people couldn't hunt, mm -hmm. and they would get their food, their, like, deer meat from those, the kings and queens. If they got any at all, yeah. Yeah, they didn't survive on bread. Usually they would just eat, if they ate, if they got animal-based protein, it would be something they farmed themselves, domestic uh, um, livestock. Is it still like that? Like the king's deer? It's very difficult to get a hunting license over there. I mean, you know, it's a very small island with a whole lot of people on it. So it kind of makes sense. But I don't know that it's a royalty-specific. I do think it's probably still a rich people-specific activity. And Small so yeah, and so what, you know, the thing that originally made America, America was we didn't want to be England. Yeah. No mo. And. No mo England. So even before re the revolution, we, you know, guys like Daniel Boone, and, uh, Simon Kenton, that's his name, right? Uh, you know, and guys, I mean, generations before them, they came a little bit later, but. Yeah, like hunting, they got to walk out with gun and take wildlife and feed their families and friends, other colonists. You know, I mean, that was Daniel Boone's day job. His office was the wilds of Kentucky, right? That's, he would just go out and kill black bear and bring back hey. bear hams for the people of Boonesboro. And what was the other... Do you remember the other colony he Boonsburg. started? Boonsburg. Is it Burke or Boro? 
I was making a joke. Oh, what? How is that a joke? It's supposed to be funny that I called it Boonsburg. Why is that funny? Because that's really funny to say. Say Boonsburg. Boonsburg. <laughs> <sighs> I knew we should have sold you. I know, and I was trying to make people seem nice. Wow, you made this podcast weirdly racist. <laughs> I'm not sure against who, though. <laughs> You're so weird. Okay. You'll probably have to edit that out. Yeah, hopefully I remember. Okay. So, do you remember the statistic that Steve Ranella put out as far as the... Okay. 1930s. How many white-tailed deer were there in North America? Not a lot. Yeah, like almost none. And now how many are there? Way too many. Accurate. Um, as evidenced by places like Long Island hiring military snipers mm -hmm. yeah, to kill them and stuff like that. But also... Uh, Steve, the statistic I was talking about, Steve Rinella put out there was, <sighs> so in the 1930s they had been hunted almost to extinction, and then, I'm going to ask a question about who started the efforts, but, nor we, uh, slightly before the 1930s, I guess, we started the process of instituting the North, the, what, is now considered the North American model of wildlife conservation. And today, there's something, I want to say it was like tens of thousands, based on fossil records, tens of thousands of more head, uh, times more head of white-tailed deer on the North American continent now than there were at the point of First European, European contact. There you go. I've so done my research. Yeah. By watching the same TV shows I watch. Yes. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's the most successful wildlife conservation model in the history of humans dealing with wildlife. Um, and part of that, and do you remember what... The main thing we do as humans is that help that helps build wildlife numbers. Um, we hunt and conserve. Uh, well, and we contribute? contribute money to state level organizations and private conservation. Quit worrying about it. And private uh, organizations like RMEF, and we vote and we help make decisions with on the smaller level and da, 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 da. anyway we build and maintain and try to conserve habitat so mm -hmm. the reason there are more whitetail is there's that much more whitetail habitat especially in the west because there really used to not be any whitetail in the west when it was just native americans on the north american continent right But now, and so an argument somebody might make is a lot of what is now a whitetail population used to be, or whitetail habitat 
used to be elk habitat. The difference being elk do not like live in close to human civilization and whitetail do like whitetail tend to like tend to enjoy the areas around the perimeter of big uh, populated human population centers. I wonder why. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know, but if you look at whitetail density maps, it's pretty obvious that's the case. Like they don't love living in the middle of town. Uh, some of them do, but it's more about kind of civilization. Uh, growing too fast and surrounding them, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah, um, so like a lot of native elk habitat, like Kentucky, like Tennessee, places, you know, they were hunted out of there or they were pushed out of there. But wasn't also a lot of... Elk, elk were pushed. Elk were pushed out of there. I'm saying not whitetail. Do you think? Uh, and now whitetail have taken over those those areas. Uh, bison were pushed out of elk habitat and um, their habitat, and elk did what the whitetail are doing. Sort of. Uh, so I mean, I'd have to go. I don't remember all the information on bison, but there was in again Stephen Renella. Um, in that American Buffalo book, he cited a lot of sources, but yeah, there's a lot more, like, when I was growing up, all you knew was buffalo were hunted almost to extinction by horrible white folks, right? That's true. I bet Indians did some of it. Well, Indians definitely did some of it, too, but, because uh, there's those story, like, you know, the Indians, some, and I'd say that, I'm not meaning to generalize, but some groups would hunt buffalo uh, by just driving hundreds of them at a time off cliffs. And it would be like, there's one story where I think they herded like 800 of them to fall to the cliffs to their deaths, and all they took was the tongues, right? Um... Everybody thought it was an inexhaustible supply of population, right? They just thought we'd and never... And you know how they say, like... But there was... Hold on. But there had already been just kind of natural phenomena where uh, bison found themselves in drought areas and died off in big numbers. and There had already been threats to their population before the buffalo hunting activities of the late 1800s, but that was kind of the, the activities I'm talking about are kind of the death, ooh, look, not an accident, or the death nail, were the death nail in the population, and then, what was it, I think it got to, you know, when there was millions of them before it got to the point where there's like less than 75 in the world, and so that's when they all became kind of uh, private property and people started breeding them and stuff like that. And now there's, I think there's only two huntable wild herds, one in Alaska, one in Mexico. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, all right. Um, 
Can I say my thing? Yes. You know how everybody talks about Indians and how good they were about taking, using all of the animals? Yes, sir. Don't say it like that. You sound really racist and hateful. <laughs> what? Well, in those buffalo, the buffalo jumps? Yes. They couldn't have used all the animals because we found the piles. If they used all the animal parts, there wouldn't be anything left. Uh, again, I'm stealing from Stephen Ranella. The way he articulated that is the best I've, the best way I've ever articulated. Is it is true that Native American Plains Indian tribes that hunted buffalo is a major source of protein had a use for all parts of the buffalo. They had uses for certain bones you could make knives out of, the head you could make a shield out of, da 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 So it's true that they could use all, that they did use all parts of a buffalo, but they did not use all parts of all buffalo. Because once you have a knife, you don't need another knife, but you do need more food tomorrow, right? Once the tribe eats this one buffalo down, you're going to go kill another one for meat. But you're not going to use all the bones off of it. And at some point, you're not going to use any of the bones off of it. And that's just, yeah, that's just how common sense works, right? So what, uh... So that's that. Okay, here's this other question. That's a fun little trivia thing. Who started the North American model of wildlife conservation? Who is credited with starting it? It was obviously more than one person. You know. What? Theodore Roosevelt. Ah, there you go. Boom. I'm blanking. Sorry. Yeah, no kidding. Okay. Even though he went to Africa and killed like 2,000 animals? He killed a handful of them, yeah. Although, I mean, not that I've, I haven't read all that much, but you know they ate them. I mean, as much of them as possible, they ate them. <laughs> and, or, you know, gifted. Like now, I'm sure they gifted tons of the meat to the local uh, rural indigenous tribes or whatever. Why are you giving me that weird look? I'm just thinking about something stupid. Okay. Ugh, I ate so much lion today. Yeah. I could. I don't think they ate lion. Although I, I want to try lion. I could poop out if, a baby lion. If I were, I don't really want to try lion. But if I were to find myself in a situation where I had to kill one, I would want to eat part of it just to try. What if somebody slapped down a lion steak in front of you? Somebody slapped. Yeah, I'd try it. It's like one of my life dreams is to try horse. It's supposed to be really good. Okay. Alright, here you go. Do you think it is ethical to hunt invasive species with means that are illegal for native game species? Like helicopter hunting or hunting with the silent. Although, actually, a lot of states are making it legal to hunt all species with silencers. I don't know why they don't do that. I mean, it, it may also 
Let, let's stick to helicopter hunting. Stuff like that, or hunting at night. Do you well, think it's... With hogs? Yeah. I think hello, hunting at night's okay, but like, hunting at night for... Uh, Whitetail or turkey. Whitetail or turkey is not cool, because what if uh, hog hunters coming through and you don't... I mean, and you're hunting at night, and... Yeah. Well, what about... Okay, let's say helicopter hunting. Um... Do you think it'd be okay to hunt white-tailed deer from a helicopter? No. Why? Because... Um... I mean... I know they're, like, overpopulated, but... Um... It doesn't mean, like, helicopter, it... There are, first off, let's make that clear. White-tailed deer are not overpopulated like hogs are overpopulated. I know, but, I mean, in some areas, they are, like, in Wisconsin. Uh, yeah, but ish, right? They're definitely, their population numbers are more fragile than hogs. They don't breed like hogs hogs do. They don't have litters, and they don't have multiple litter, multiple births a year and stuff like that. Um, well, no, I don't think it's ethical. Okay. Because, Do I you mean, think it's ethical, ethical to hunt invasive species by those means? Yeah, I guess. I mean, why? Unless it's like when you're in a helicopter hunt and they're like just like normal pigs and they let them go and well okay and then they just become feral why is it ethical to they were real like actual wild hogs that destroy land i guess but i mean i wouldn't want to do it waste of money and i i don't think it would be as fun Hunting them from a helicopter? It's, I mean, it would What be if you tried it once and it was the most fun thing you'd ever done in your life? Um, I mean, maybe. But I'm asking, okay, I was asking that kind of for fun. I'm, ethically. Ethically? Yeah. Is it okay to hunt feral hog from a helicopter? Or a truck? No. Why? Because, like, from hunting on, on the ground, I know hogs What are... about with a trap? You can't trap deer. Well, yeah, but, I mean, it, it, I get why they can't, they don't let you trap deer. Why? Because most of the time, some traps don't kill the animal. It'll just... No, I'm talking about trapping to kill. You're going off on a tangent. I don't want you to go on. I'm talking about... Trapping. Eating these things after whatever means are employed. Why would, is it ethical to trap a white-tailed deer and then shoot it in the face? And that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying, let me go off on my tangent. It's not. We'll see. If you get crazy, I'm going to stop you. Because we don't have time for crazy. If, like, it's like a bear trap and you just grab it by the arm. 
and it sits there for who no who knows how long before you actually decide I'm gonna. Well, go even if it? you get them inside of a cage, they're gonna be suffering like those big cage hog traps. That's usually what you get. What people get hogs with. They're suffering. Like they don't like being in there. There's you know, there's pigs that have chewed themselves to death by cutting their gums open on the wires, trying to chew to get out. Well, pigs are. Yeah, go with that thought. Pigs are... Pigs, destructive... Yeah, pests is pests. the word you're looking for. And I'm saying... Yeah, it's like trapping a, a mouse that's in your house. Yeah, like, but trapping a white-tailed deer yeah. would be like trapping your dog. Well, yeah, it's house. like trap. Well, it's... <clears throat> I'm gonna, okay, my answer I don't think is any less clumsy than yours, uh, but I'm going to try. Hogs are an invasive species. They were introduced by Europeans. They're not supposed to be here. Right? Yeah. We've decided. Now, you could make the argument that, you know, deer and bear and whatever came from Eurasia. Or something like that, right? If you, I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to know all of the origins of those species, but you can make an argument along those lines, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like, and the best we can say is we know for sure that hogs and horses and a handful of other species were physically brought here and set here by Europeans. But weren't there, like, prehistoric horses? Like there were prehistoric horses, but they were long gone way before the Native Americans showed up. Um, okay. Right. I wonder what they would look like, the prehistoric horses. I think they were kind of like halfway between a dog and an anteater. If I remember the mock-up I saw when I was your age, it was in our book, science books or something. Um, yeah, like, the whole thing is the modern narrative with feral hogs is what we would like to see, at, and I'm actually writing a blog on this, hopefully it'll be up Good job, Goofus. Uh, hopefully it'll be up next week from writing a blog about uh, the hog issue. Um, but the, mo the modern narrative is that there are, not just that there are too many, that's a fact, a given fact, but that one is too many, right? Especially if you can math, savvy a little bit of math, two is too many. Why are two too many? Exactly. Because they've come to, to procreate in theory. And they procreate like rabbits. Right? Not unlike rabbits. <laughs> and so, yes, it's so the mo uh, an extension of that is that you should be able to hunt 
hogs by any means necessary to try to kill them. I'm going to expound on that a little bit in the blog in that there are a lot of people saying, I'm going to just talk about it a little bit here, not hardcore. Uh, a lot of people saying that helicopter hunts do more to spread the population than they do to lessen it because they scatter and they end up God knows where and they go to different areas that they weren't in and they procreate there in multiple areas instead of one, right? I am. And yeah, in deer, it's a sport. That's what, there are rules in a sport. There are ethics. There are, you don't, we don't want to kill all deer. We want part of our model of conservation. We don't want to conserve hogs. We want to conserve deer. We want to conserve elk. We want to conserve sooty grouse. We want to conserve pronghorn because those are native species. This is their natural habitat that we moved into. And as a species that can employ some level of intellect in our interaction with other species, It's our, we've decided anyway, that it's our responsibility to conserve native wildlife and not conserve invasive wildlife. Now, I don't see the hog population being gone in my lifetime. Probably not even in my lifetime. That would be my guess if I had to, if I had to guess. <laughs> Um, and there's a little bit more to that than it would, I could do a whole, we could do an, probably mm -hmm. seven more podcasts about it. And I hope to, I hope, uh, soon that we get to interview, uh, like biologists and guys like that, that have, that can well, speak to the hog problem, but we're not, I'm not going to go any further on it right now. Um, I think for the most part, we're good. If my, mm -hmm. if in my lifetime they find immortality, maybe? We'll be able to wipe out the hogs. Human immortality? Yeah. yeah, that would probably involve a colony on Mars or limitation of procreating, human procreation. <clears throat> All right, I don't know. I, this got a, went a little bit off the rails, this podcast, which they all tend to, and I'm kind of fine with it. If, there, if we were immortal... And we went to Mars. Would we need to bring as much supplies, like air? And you stuff? mean if we? Well, we. Okay, you're retarded. So if we were immortal, and it was a scientific solution that got us there, there would be we'd probably have to take some whatever tools were invented to make us immortal, like pills and water and oxygen, and whatever else. It would be, we wouldn't necessarily be immortal, we would be augmented. You wouldn't like freeze to death. Right. If we were magically immortal like the Highlander, then no, I guess we wouldn't have to take anything. We would just suffocate to death a billion times. <laughs> He's before Highlander. The, before, uh, it's a movie and TV show from a million years ago. Um, okay. So I think that's everything. 
I that's not definitely not everything we I wanted to cover, but that's our time, and so hopefully we get to touch on these issues again in the near future. And well, not hopefully we will, but next time we're gonna ask each other. Well, actually, you you asked a lot of questions, a lot of good questions. I was gonna give you a hard time about the quality, but you ask good questions. We just need to ask more comprehensive questions, I guess. All right, uh, do you have anything you want to say before we sign off the podcast? Tesla would win. Oh, his! I have a T-shirt that's a. Like a comic book, or like a Mortal Kombat battle between Nikola Tesla and Thomas Edison. <coughs> um, the mic got really loud because I'm looking down at my own shirt. But, okay, uh, that is it. Thank you all for listening. Uh, please visit wildernesslaw.us to see what blogs and other podcasts and all that good stuff might be popping up there um hopefully some spread the word videos start showing up soon that are not podcast related videos maybe some diy stuff or some we should show off the garden oh yeah tristan's talking about we just started a garden uh let's see if it actually grows anything first um and if it doesn't, we'll just say, hey, their camera broke and we're, and you know, why? Like, when we go fishing. <laughs> well, when you go fishing, all mine are real. <laughs> all right, folks, uh, we, that is it for the Wilderness Law Podcast. Thank you again. And this is Lane and Tristan. Bye-bye.